Welcome back to the EverybodySuffers.com podcast, the only podcast that four out of five dentists prefer. I'm Carl Brown, and everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? My hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you experience consolation or you can share consolation with others. Today's episode is about looking at the suffering of Jesus and looking at it especially through the lens of Our Lady of Sorrows. And what the benefit of this episode is that it will show that the Seven Sorrows devotion gives us a perspective of suffering that's different. But it also gives us a perspective on Mary's suffering that's different than the, the world's view of Mary's suffering. And that's what I really hope to share with you today. This episode of the EverybodySuffers.com podcast is sponsored by Our Lady of Kibeho. Kibeho, Rwanda was the site of the most recent major church-approved apparition of our Blessed Mother. She warned us of the Rwandan genocide of 1994, and she reintroduced the Seven Sorrows Rosary. Mary gave the warning more than 10 years before the genocide, which she confirmed by predicting the death and resurrection of three visionaries in Rwanda. And the warning she gave the people of Rwanda she specifically said it was not just for Rwanda, but a warning for the whole world. So what will you do now? Will you pray the rosary every day as she asked? Or will you one day regret not having done enough to prevent what she warned us about? And keep in mind, the first seven episodes of this podcast are full recitations of the Seven Stars Rosary. Each of them is a separate full recitation with different intentions or reflections. Now let us pray to the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Lord, you send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, help me to only say what you want me to say, and to forget what you don't want me to say. And open the ears of those who are listening to this podcast, that they will hear what you want them to hear. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. This episode is is looking at answering the question, did Jesus shirk from suffering? Shout out to my friend Doug Tiger, who prompted this episode, really this analysis. And the benefit of this episode is that it shows the second promise of Our Lady of Sorrows, which is they will be enlightened about the divine mysteries. In other words, because of praying the seven sorrows, I was able to see something here in Scripture that I otherwise wouldn't have seen. And we're going to look at Jesus' suffering, and we're going to look at it through the eyes of Mary and her sorrows. Because Mary was without sin, so her sorrows would not be motivated by a focus on self. 
but rather a focus on others. That's why I'm putting in this new little prayer book on Reflections of the Seven Sorrows a, a whole section called The Source of Mary's Sorrows. Because I don't think she was sad, for example, that she had to go to Egypt. We don't have one of the sorrows as they returned from Egypt. I don't think that going to Egypt was the sadness. It wasn't the sorrow. I think she was sad that babies would die because of her son. And families would lose their children because of Herod's tyrannical mandate that all baby boys be killed. I don't think Mary was dismayed by Simeon's prophecy that she would have her soul pierced by a sword. Rather, I think she was saddened at the thought that her son would be a sign of contradiction. That her son, the way, the truth, and the life, would be rejected so that people would choose another way. People would lie about Jesus, the truth. And people would kill her son, the author of life. And I could go through each of the sorrows and share with you how I think the sorrow that was there is not what we typically think of as what would have been her sorrow. And this made me rethink some of the ways I look at the crucifixion, the road to Calvary, the agony in the garden. I believe that a greater pain than death by crucifixion was the fact that Jesus knew his suffering would cause Mary to suffer. I think that was more painful to Jesus on the cross than the nails in his hands and feet. Because this is true love in that Jesus was indifferent to his own suffering and more concerned for the suffering of others, in this case, his mother. Taken a step further, I believe the agony he experienced in the garden was more of a reflection of how others would be impacted, not just his mother. For example, if we look at Jesus on the road to Calvary, in Luke 23, here's what we read. And there followed him a great multitude of people and women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? This is the fourth sorrow. Mary meets Jesus on the road to Calvary. Luke doesn't mention that Mary was there. But that's probably because he wasn't speaking to her when he said, weep not for me, because he had already given her that message. I think that Mary took that message to heart. His concern is not for himself. Think about it. He's been struck by the high priest guards. He's been imprisoned overnight. He's been scourged. He's had nothing to drink. Because he said in Matthew's gospel, he would not drink again until he drinks anew in the kingdom of God, which took place on the cross. He's been struck. 
He's been scourged. He's wearing a crown of thorns, of Jerusalem thorns, which, looking at the Shroud of Turin, we would see that the crown of thorns alone was probably the source of one or more mortal wounds. Then he was forced to carry a cross, exhausted to the point that he kept falling down. No doubt beaten along the way, probably kicked, dragged through mud and camel dung. And he's saying, don't weep for me. And one of those crucified with him calls out, save us if you can. But Jesus isn't calling out to be saved. He's not even calling out for a drink of water the way the rich man did when he was in torment, calling out to Father Abraham in Luke 16. But let's look at the agony in the garden. And I'm going to read to you from Luke's Gospel. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed all the more, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. That was from the Gospel of Luke. Matthew recorded, here's one line from Matthew's Gospel, My soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. Remain here and watch with me. Sorrowful even unto death. Yikes. Why was he sorrowful? Why was he sad? What was the source of his sorrow? Was he worried that he was going to have his hands pierced by nails? Was he worried that he was going to have people mocking him? That he was going to not be able to catch a breath? And that he'd have to lift himself up? by his feet, pushing on nails through his feet in order to be able to get a breath and pulling down on the nails in his hands, tearing his flesh both in his hands and in his feet. Was he sad about that? Was he shirking from that fear of suffering? Let's look at Luke 22, right before the garden, the agony in the garden. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was one of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. What happened to Judas after his crucifixion? I don't know, but here is what Jesus had to say about it in Matthew 26, verse 24. The Son of Man goes, as it is written of him, 
but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. What can that mean other than Judas was going to lose his soul? Judas's inability to forgive himself, his inability to receive forgiveness, led to his perdition. It led to him losing his soul. That's what I think happened. And I think that's borne out by the text in the Gospels. And not just Judas would contribute to Jesus' suffering, but in the moment, Jesus would see the denial by Peter. The, the prediction of, Jesus, of Peter's betrayal, the agony in the garden, and then the actual denial. I'm sorry, it's, it's not Peter's betrayal, it's his denial. The prediction of Peter's denial, the agony in the garden, and then the actual denial highlights the pain we cause Jesus when we deny him. So let's look here in the text. Jesus foretells Peter's denial. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. So we have Jesus foretelling Peter's denial. Then we have the agony in the garden. And then here's what we read about Peter's denial. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour still, another insisted, saying, Certainly this man was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. So backing up and looking at this sequence, the narrative in Luke's gospel is first the prediction of Jesus's of Judas's betrayal of Jesus. Secondly, the prediction of Peter's denial. Then the agony in the garden then Judas's betrayal of Jesus, and then Peter's denial of Jesus. And I think this was the source of his sorrow. 
betrayal and denial. Not a sadness for himself, not a shirking from suffering, not a self-focused concern, but a concern for the souls of his beloved disciples. Jesus prayed that, that, that Peter could persevere. He wished that Judas would never have been born. Remember, Jesus loved Judas as much as he loves you. And consider also, to a lesser degree maybe, because Jesus is very concerned about the salvation of every one soul, to a lesser degree maybe Jesus' actions would bring shame on the high priests, the Sanhedrin, and ultimately the greatest stain on the reputation of the chosen people. Matthew 27, 25 says, the, be the people call out, <clears throat> His blood be upon us and our children. Please don't take anyone, don't anyone take this to mean in any way that I, I bring dishonor to the Jews. They are still the chosen people. But consider the sadness of the stain of this reputation on his own people. Not just the chosen people, but Jesus' very kin, his tribe, his nation. Was Jesus afraid of suffering? Was he focused on his own suffering? I don't think so, because even on the cross, we see that he's selfless. He, he doesn't care about his own pain, but for the, he cares about the soul of the, of the other person who's being crucified with him, the good thief. And when, and when he's walking on the road to Calvary, he says, weep not for me. And some might say, but he says, and so he, he quotes Psalm 22, Yes, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's the beginning of Psalm 22. But Psalm 22 ends with, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And in verse 30, it shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. Is Psalm 22 a psalm of dejection or a psalm of praise and hope? And let's consider that Jesus takes his own advice from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. And he says, you have heard that it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him and offer the other also. And he says, you have heard it said, you shall love your enemy, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Who is the preeminent son of the father, if not Jesus? And then what do the disciples do? How do they act? What do they believe? In Acts 5, they left the presence of the council, 
rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. In 1 Peter, rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings. And, and later in 1 Peter, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify in God in that name. Jesus did not shirk from suffering. Jesus was not worried about how he was going to feel on the cross. He cared for the souls of those he came to save, and he was sad that he was going to lose the soul of Judas to a betrayal, and he was sad that Jesus was going to be denied by Peter. That's the source of Jesus' sorrow. So let, us pr let our prayer be, Lord, help us to imitate you in your selflessness when we encounter suffering. Thank you for joining me in this podcast today. Who can you share this podcast with? Tell them about this podcast episode. Send it to them. And tune in tomorrow because we're going to have another great episode. I'm Carl Brown, and this is the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. Everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? You can email me your prayer requests at carl at everybodysuffers.com. Either way, I'm going to be praying for you, so my hope is that through this podcast I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you experience consolation or so that you can share consolation with others. Our Lady of Quebejo, pray for us. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. God bless you. Have a great day.